Well, since a few days ago, I preached or did a devotional on the subject, should married men be pastors? I've thought about that topic some more, and I wanted to make it clear I'm not saying anything like the Roman Catholic type of priest thing, only single people can be pastors. That's not at all what I'm saying. But again, <laughs> the, should single people be pastors? And the whole idea that a man is to be of one wife was put out as the norm, and I'm saying, no, that's not the case. Uh, one wife is the limit. You shouldn't have two wives or three wives or four wives at once, which was possible in those days, and I guess it's still possible today, even though I'm sure churches wouldn't allow it. But should married men be pastors? Because I want to go on the other side of this, and I want to, again, use that same verse or verses as my text is before. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 32 and 33, and these say, but... I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares, cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And again, last time I spoke, I said, well, that's how it should be. A married man has to care for his wife, not only his wife, but his family, and they should be an absolute priority in his life. I love this quote by Paul Washer. He says, treat your wife better than you treat anything or anyone. That is your covenant with God. That's your first ministry. To love her the way Christ loves the church is a high calling. If you fail at that, you've failed at everything. And yet before I even saw that quote in my devotionals, I've been reading through Isaiah. And Isaiah 58.1 says, Cry aloud, spare not, Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Isaiah 58, 1. That's a powerful verse when you think of it. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people, not the people outside of the church. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob, their sins. I remember when I was younger, not yet a pastor, but I had a pastor who was kind of mentoring me to be a pastor. And one day he came to me and he was asking me to pray with him about his friend who also was a pastor who had just got fired from his pastorate. And why was he fired? He was fired from his pastorate because he suggested in his sermon that some of the congregants were maybe not saved. And doing that, he was put out immediately. 
not two weeks, not, not any notice or anything. He was fired by that church. Now I know that doesn't always happen. Uh, churches should appreciate that the pastor would cry out and spare not and lift up his voice like a trumpet and tell the people, his people, God's people, their transgression in the house of Jacob, their sins. And yet people and a lot of pastors do not do that. Another pastor I had met a little later after I had actually graduated uh, from my second seminary, uh, and I was with a friend and we were considering a job and we went to General Assembly and my friend had this pastor and he says, I want you to meet this pastor. He's really successful. Uh, he, he wants to impart his wisdom to us. So we had lunch with this pastor that he wanted me to meet. And this pastor said, this is my secret. This is how my church has grown. And, you know, we grow up to 500 people and then we, we plant a church. And when that's grown to 500, we plant another church. And we've done this like five times. And we grow and grow and grow and grow. And here is my secret, he says. I believe in sin. I believe in hell. I believe in a lot of controversial doctrine that is in the scripture. But I will not preach it. I will not speak about hell. I will not talk to in the pulpit about sin. He says, if somebody comes to me in my office, they want to counsel and want to ask questions about sin or hell or anything like that, I will tell them. I will talk to them. I will counsel with them. But never, ever, ever, I haven't mentioned the word sin in a sermon. And my church grows. I tell people what they want to hear, and the church is growing and growing and growing. And he says, if you want your church to grow, you don't be, you know, hellfire and brimstone preacher. And I remember my friend who was a godly young man uh, was apologizing to me after. He says, I didn't know this guy was like this. And yet, I thought I often hear that when I preach a sermon that mentions hell or sin or things like this, and there's a visitor in the church, they tell me how strange that sermon was, how, how they're not used to hearing sermons like that. And, and sometimes they say they like it, and I, other times I think they leave because they don't want to be there. Uh, and I, I thought about this in relationship to being married and having children and, and, and doing this while you're in the pastorate. And I wondered if part of the reason that so many pastors won't preach about hell and sin and, and, and these kind of important issues to know if you're going to be saved, well, if all their thing is about marriage and family and how to have a good family and they never preach about these topics, maybe part of the reason is they're worried, they're scared. If I step on these toes, I will lose these members. If I step on toes, if I preach a hellfire and brimstone sermon, uh, they may fire me. And so such preachers avoid it all altogether. And they preach peace, peace when there is no peace sermons. Why? 
because they need to provide for their family. They need to be sure that their family is okay. And they figure, in this church which I'm in, if I say this to this person, this person who gives a lot may not give. He may decide to leave. Uh, she may decide to leave. These people may leave. Or I may be fired. And if that's the case, I'm not saying the man would leave his wife. He wouldn't. But should such a person be a preacher? Should such a person be a pastor? We are commanded to cry aloud and spare not and lift up our voices like trumpets. We're required to tell God's people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. If we don't do this, we're not really pastors not good ones. And so one of the reasons that some married pastors might consider that whether this is really their calling is, are they able to preach the truth of God? Are they able to say what they really, what God really wants them to say? Providing for your family is a really good thing to do. Doing what you're supposed to do there. But you can do that other ways. You don't have to be a pastor to provide for your family. And if providing for your family necessitates you avoiding certain uncomfortable truths in Scripture, not preaching about hell, not preaching about sin, Maybe married men, family men, should not consider the ministry. Or if they're in it, wonder if they should continue in it. If they cannot preach the full gospel, if they cannot trust God uh, to take care of their families while they preach the truth. Well, that's just a thought. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness to me. I thank you that... You're a God who uses all sorts of people, single people, married people, um, people with families. And I pray uh, that you'd help me to preach and lift up my voice that I might cry aloud and spare not. And that you might help me to preach not just the hellfire brimstone, but also the gracious sermons. And even though I'm single, the family sermons uh, which others preach. And Father, I just pray that you'd help all to preach according to your word and your commands. We pray these things in Jesus' name.